This morning it is Father's Day, and what I want to tell you is, is a story, some of you have heard it before, about a happening to me with my dad on Father's Day several years ago. Probably eight to ten years old uh, was the time frame, and on Father's Day I was out having a catch with my dad. We used to throw the ball together. I wasn't that great at baseball, uh, but I do remember his favorite baseball player, which was Carl Yastrzemski. Tom, you might be able to correct me, Boston Red Sox player, third baseman, if I remember right. Outfield? Left fielder. Left fielder. So that was the guy that we were kind of pretending to be. Uh, but we moved to the opportunity of throwing a catch, and then obviously my dad moved into this fun time of the World Series. And he created this scenario where I was a pitcher, and I had to essentially get some strikes in to strike out the last batter and win the World Series. So we start doing this, and everything's going well. I'm throwing the ball at my dad. He's catching it. So far, so good. I won't tell you my speed. It probably was way less fast than I thought. But little by little, I was gaining confidence, and I continued to throw the ball to my dad, who continued to catch it and call either strikes or balls. And so I get to the point where obviously I need one more strike to win the World Series, and I'm ready to go, and I have all the confidence in the world, and I just wind up and throw this ball, and I mean, it is, it's perfect. It's, it's a strike. I mean, it's just glorious. We're going to win the World Series, but for some reason, I don't know if sun gets into my dad's eyes or what, he doesn't see it, and the ball goes right into his eye. Boom. My dad's on the ground, wheeling in pain, rolling on the ground. I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh my goodness, I just ruined my dad's Father's Day. Thinking that obviously I'm going to get reamed out by him, and the next thing you know, Father's Day is going to be ruined. So I run up to my dad. I'm like, dad, dad, are you okay? He's reeling in pain, ready just essentially to get the worst tongue lashing ever. My dad turns to me, and he rolls, and he starts to cry and laugh, and he goes... Well, Trev, I guess we lost the World Series. <laughs> That's my dad. That's what I remember of my dad. Uh, very influential man in my life. Um, still alive today. In fact, I don't know, Dad, if you're ever going to be watching this, but if you are, happy Father's Day. Really appreciate all that you are and all that you've done for me. But also, I want to take a minute, and I want to talk to several of you. What's the picture that you have of your father? Some of you might have a similar picture of your dad. Some of you might have a very different picture of your father. Some of you might have a picture in which your father was distant or non-engaged. Some of you might not have any memory of your father. Some of you might have memories of your father that you really don't want to bring up right now because your dad was abusive or destructive or perhaps your dad left your family. One of the things that I want to encourage you all in is the importance of dad. And what's interesting in this, to let you know, is how you view your father is so impactful upon you psychologically, it also will begin to form how you view God. If you look at modern psychology, one of the greatest influences that an individual or a child has is their father. In fact, Sigmund Freud said it himself, one of the biggest influences that we have is the influence of our father. I also like what Stu Weber says in Tender Warrior. He says this, what is the most powerful word in the English language? Is it honor or love or country or sacrifice? How about the word dad? Just walk through what you know about life. 
When it comes to a power in a youngster's world, I'll put my money on the word dad. As words go, hope, vision, and sacrifice don't mean a whole lot to little ones, but the power of the word dad reaches far beyond a youngster's childhood. I don't know about you, but one of the best things that I have in my life is when I come through uh, home with a hard day and either these boys come up and give me a big hug and say, hey dad, how are you? Or Noah comes running from his room screaming, daddy, daddy, daddy. And what do I do? Well, I reach out and I give him a hug. There's nothing better than that. But I also want to let you know, depending upon what picture you have of your father, it will shape how you tend to approach God. Some of you might look at the heavenly father with a very different picture of who he is because you have the image of your father in your mind when you approach him. And this morning, what I want to do is is I want to encourage you, and I want to read a passage in scripture. We're going to ask a very simple question, but we're going to look at how compassionate, loving, and caring our father is when we come to him through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The question we're asking is this, how has the relationship with your earthly father shaped your relationship with your heavenly father? And I want you to take a moment and I want you to think about how you approach God and how the influence of your father might cause you to approach God with trepidation, fear, concern, distance, or For some of you that were fortunate, like myself, to have a father who was engaged in your life, perhaps you do see a tender and compassionate father. But what I want to show you this morning as we look into this passage is the joy that we have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the fact that we can approach our Heavenly Father as a child runs to their dad saying, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. As Keith said before, we can essentially crawl up in our Father's lap. He welcomes us with loving loving arms, and that's the joy that we have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So what I want to do, if you have your Bibles with you, is we're going to take a look at Romans 8, 12 through 17. I'm going to read this passage to you, and then I'm going to kind of camp on a specific spot just to kind of give you the context of where we're at Paul is writing, and he's essentially writing about life through the Spirit. What that means is, is that when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are born again. We are no longer guilty of the punishment of sin and death, but we now have life. We have been given eternal life, and the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, indwells us or is part of us. And so Paul is essentially saying, now that you have life, through the Spirit. This is how you should go about living. This is how you should go about being a follower of Jesus Christ. He begins to summarize it, and we get into verse 12, and he says, therefore, brothers, or brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of 
God. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are led by God. You are a son or a daughter of the living king. Don't miss that. It's extremely important. But what Paul is saying is if that's the case, then don't live in sin, but rather live being led by the Spirit. And then he says this, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. Friends, in Jesus Christ, when you place your faith and trust in him, you are a son or a daughter of the living king. Remember that. God isn't somebody that's far off. God isn't somebody that's distant. God isn't someone that looks at you with disdain. God isn't someone that's unapproachable. God isn't someone who's busy. God isn't someone who's disengaged. God is the one who looks at you as a son or a daughter and an heir to the kingdom. And when you come to him with your concerns, your fears, your joys, your struggles, your successes, and run to him saying, Daddy, 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 what does he do? He reaches down and wraps his arms around you and says, come, son or daughter, into my lap and tell me about your day. And that's what we see. And Paul writes it right here. He says, again, I'm going to go back up to verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with your spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Paul essentially is saying, look, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you've come to God, you are a son or a daughter of a living king. And when you come to God, when you go to him, he is not distant, he is not busy, he is not this God in the sky who is waiting to strike you down at the uh, moment that you falter or you fail. He is a loving, compassionate, heavenly father who wants nothing more than a deep relationship with you where you can approach him and say, Dad. Some of the most impactful moments in my life are knowing that in those times where I'm struggling and I don't have any idea of what to do or where to go, I can go to my Savior, Jesus Christ. I can go to the Heavenly Father, and I can go and say, Dad, I need help. Dad, I'm hurting. Dad, can you give me some wisdom here? Dad, are you there? That's how we can approach our Heavenly Father. And so what I'd like to do is I want to camp on this word, Abba, Father. How many of you are familiar with that phrase, Abba, Father? Okay. Essentially what it is, is Father, Father. Actually, in the Greek, it's Abba, Pater. Now, why would you say Abba, Pater? Why wouldn't you just say Abba or Pater, right? Or Abba, Abba, or Pater, Pater. The purpose of this is to demonstrate to the world the purpose of the word Abba and the inclusion of all of the individuals that are hearing it to recognize the intimacy of the relationship that they can receive with their Heavenly Father through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.
So I'm going to take a minute, and I'm going to develop the phrase Abba so that we understand it before we continue to move on with today's message. Abba, what does it mean, and why does Paul use it? It's a good question. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says this, in New Testament times, adopted sons or daughters okay, enjoy the same privileges as natural-born sons or daughters. This is important to recognize. If you were adopted into a family, you had the same rights and privileges as someone who was naturally born into the family. Don't miss that. So instead of cowering in slave-like fear, Christians can approach God in an intimate way, calling him Abba, Father. Abba is a Greek and English transliterization of the Aramaic word for father, used elsewhere in the New Testament only in Mark 14.36 and Galatians 4.6. Very special word, very intimate word, very personal word, very relational word, dad. Ann Spangler in Praying the Names of God says this, the Hebrew scriptures normally depict God not as a father of individuals, but as a father to his people, Israel. Pious Jews, aware of the gap between a holy God and a sinful human beings, would never have dared address God as Ab, Hebrew, or Abba, Aramaic word for daddy. This is important, okay? Pious Jews would never use this word. They would see it as derogatory. But yet what we see is Jesus used the word and Paul used the word. Jesus is the one who says, Dad, I'm having a hard time here. Dad, this is what I need. Interesting enough, then, this is what gradually came to mean dear father, Jesus shocked many of his contemporaries by referring to God as his father and by inviting his followers to call God father or dad. Rather than depicting God as a typical Middle Eastern patriarch who wielded considerable power with the family, he depicted him primarily as a tender and compassionate father who extends grace to both the sinner and the self-righteous. Dad. 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 When we see the word Abba Father, Abba Pater, it is a relational term. It's a compassionate term. It's a cry term. It's a loving term. It's something that all of us must see and recognize. No matter what picture we have of our earthly father, our heavenly father is one who is loving compassionate, caring, and desires nothing more than for us to come forward, crawl up on his, into his lap, and to tell him about our day. Or, in the spirit of this message, to go out and have a catch with dad. How many of you have ever had an opportunity to have a catch with dad? Anybody out there? Do you remember it? Some of the most influential times of our lives. Even when I've been my dad in the eye, I still remember it today. 
Those are those special moments. And what I want to tell you, friends, when you approach the Father, yes, we should approach him with awe and reverence. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Yes, he is Lord. He is the maker of heaven and earth. But he's also Dad. He's also Dad. The summary of this, essentially... The term connotes a deep, intimate relationship among a child to their father in which they are protected and provided for. When used in conjunction with the pater, which is Greek for father, it is a unifying term in which, through Christ, all humanity, both Jew and Gentile, is invited to call God Father because he has adopted them as his children. Its use by Jesus and Paul demonstrates that we don't have to look at God with fear of rejection. Rather, we can look to him as a tender and compassionate father who extends grace to his children. Abba would be the modern day equivalent of dad. Friends, that's who we have as our father. Dad. That's what we're talking about here. So what I want to do this morning as we look at these verses in Romans uh, 8, 12 through 17 is start off and just reiterate this first point. Good or bad, we all have a relationship with our Father. And I want you to take a minute, and I want you just to think about the relationship that you have with your earthly Father. And I want you to take a minute, and I want you to think through How does that impact how I view my heavenly father? Because whether or not we know it, it does. It does. Positive or negative, the manner of how we look to our earthly father is, in many ways, the manner of how we will approach our heavenly father until we understand that he is loving, merciful, and compassionate, and we can call him dad. The next thing that I want to show you is this, that regardless of that relationship, and please hear me on this, regardless of that relationship, positive, negative, distant, successful, destructive, disruptive, whatever that might be, regardless of that relationship, through Christ, we are invited to be adopted as God's children. That's essentially what's going on. It's life through the Spirit. It's the fact that we have the Holy Spirit given to us through Jesus who went to the cross to die upon it, to atone for our sins, rose from the grave, triumphed over it, brought life to us, and when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, we receive life, the Holy Spirit within. But not only do we receive the Holy Spirit within, we now receive an inheritance We are adopted into the kingdom of God, and that is extremely important. Notice earlier that I talked about the fact that whether you were adopted or naturally born, you had the same rights as you did to the family. And so what we see in these terms is that when we're adopted, you are a son or a daughter of the living king, the maker of heaven and earth, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. You are an heir to the kingdom. And P.S., by the way, when you approach God, yes, he is Lord. 
Yes, he is the maker of heaven and earth, but you don't have to go to him in fear or cowardice or concern or wonder. You can go to him and you can cry out and you can say, Dad? Dad? And what does he do? He doesn't say, don't call me that. That's derogatory. Don't tell me that. I'm Lord. He says, yes, son. Yes, daughter. What do you need? What do you want? And I don't know about you, but think about this. How weird would it be if I come home and the next thing you know, I see Noah running to me saying, Daddy, 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 Daddy. I turn to him and I'm like, Son, I'm too busy for you right now. Turn around and come back later. What father would do that? No, what, what do you do? You drop everything. You go over and you wrap your arms around him and you put him in this big old bear hug. Friends, that's how we can approach our heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. Regardless of the relationship that you've had with your earthly father, we are invited to be adopted as God's children. We look at this passage, and we see essentially in verse 12, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. Here's what I want to show you. This is where living for Jesus, when we understand that he is a compassionate and merciful father of which we can call him dad, turns from legalistic obligation to relational. Friends, we want to live for God and not for our sinful nature because he's our father, he's dad, and we have the Holy Spirit within us. Then it says, for if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons or daughters of the living King. God isn't distant. God isn't far off. You are an heir to the promise. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you are received the spirit of sonship, being a son of the one who has adopted you. Legally signed, sealed, and delivered with the same rights and privileges as a naturally born child. Sonship or daughtership. And by him, meaning by who? God, we can cry, Abba, Father, Abba, Pater, Father, Father. Intimate, personal, relational. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. This is it. If we are children, then we are heirs. Don't get that mixed up. If you're a child of God, which when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and make him Lord of your life, you receive the Holy Spirit within you. You become born again. You are a child or a daughter of the living king. You are a child, okay? So there we are. If you are a child, then you are an heir. Heirs of God and co-heirs 
Interestingly, co-heirs with Jesus Christ because Jesus is the son of the father, being still fully man and fully God. You are co-heirs with Christ. To what? Heirs to the promise. What's the promise? The kingdom. The kingdom to come. Friends, this is a beautiful passage. This is one of the most relational and intimate passages that you can read in Scripture about the Heavenly Father and Him calling you daughter or son and you getting to call Him dad. And then comes the hard part. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that maybe also share in His glory. Friends, are you willing to suffer for dad so that you might share in the glory of dad? Regardless of this relationship through Christ, we're invited to be adopted as God's children. And also, as we've seen, when we are adopted as God's children through Jesus Christ, because of Christ, because of Christ, it is all about Christ, not us, all about Christ what he's done because of Jesus because of the cross because of his death and resurrection from the grave because of his willingness to take our sin upon himself because of his perfection because of his following the will of the father we we can run to our heavenly father and say dad it's all about Jesus The more that I look, that I can go to the maker of heaven and earth, the creator and sustainer of all things, and in those moments where I'm concerned or fearful, I can come to him and I can say, Dad, I don't know what to do. And I know that like my father, he hears me and he knows and he will take and do what is needed. And like a loving and compassionate father, he cares even though there's hardship, it blows my mind. And when I know that I have that opportunity and that relationship all because of what Jesus did, has done for me and for us on the cross, that drives my heart to a deeper relational aspect with Jesus. And when I know that inside of me the Holy Spirit is what connects us and demonstrates my sonship to the King, realizing I'm an heir to the promise, and a co-heir with Jesus, it drives me deeper into a relational aspect with Christ. It pulls away the legalism and it brings about the relationship. And friends, we don't see this just in this passage. We see the compassion of God all throughout scriptures. But a few that I just want to throw to you to encourage you to demonstrate the compassion of our God that indeed he is a loving and caring father are these following verses. Psalm 103, 13 says this, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Very similar to what Paul is saying here. As a father has compassion on his children, right? So the Lord has compassion on what? Those who fear him. So it is somewhat conditional, friends. 
It is the fact that if you fear God, meaning you revere him, you've placed him as your Lord, as if you have come into a relationship through Jesus Christ, the Father will have compassion on you. But I love this because it reiterates the fact that when we come to our Father in need, he's compassionate to us. Friends, I know through my life, I've gone through very difficult things, moments where I've wondered, where I've questioned, but what I've also known and seen is this, that in those moments, God isn't distant, God isn't punishing, God isn't looking at me saying, you're wrong, or God isn't saying, I'm not here, or God isn't saying, you're not good enough, God isn't saying, I don't want anything of you, God isn't saying, I'm too busy, God isn't saying, you're too big of a problem, I'm going to leave you, God is looking at me and he's saying, come to me, my son, you may call me dad, and I love you with an everlasting love because I am compassionate and merciful to you. And friends, don't ever forget that when you go through something challenging. God is always there. God always cares. And he is your dad. Second Corinthians 6, 8 says this, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters says the, make no mistake about it, Lord Almighty. I will be a father to you, Dad. And you will be my subjects, my slaves, my minions. No. My sons and daughters. Don't miss that. Don't belittle that. Sons and daughters, full rights, full privileges, heirs to the kingdom. And then in Luke 12, 32, these are the words that we read. Do not be afraid, little flock. Don't be afraid. For your father has been pleased to give you his kingdom. It delights God to give you his kingdom. God wants to give you his kingdom. He can't wait to give you his kingdom. It's the same thing for me with my boys as I see them grow up and I see them become responsible. I want to give them things. And our Heavenly Father says, I delight in giving you my kingdom. I want to give it to you. And so as we look at this passage, we've kind of discovered the aspect that number one, we do have somewhat of an idea of what our earthly father might be like, and good or bad, we do have a relationship with our earthly father. We've also seen that regardless of this relationship, that through Christ, we are invited to be adopted as God's children. And then we've also seen that it's because of Christ that we can run to our Heavenly Father and say, Dad. But the whole purpose of this is this next aspect, because we are children of the Father. Because that fact, we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ to the kingdom. That's the joy that we celebrate. That's the promise that we look at. That's essentially the concluding aspect before uh, Paul moves on to future glory. 
which is the next passage in verse 18. He essentially summarizes it in verse 17. He says, now if we are children, okay, so if you are a child of God, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, okay, and I don't need a show of hands, but just if you've done this, if you have placed your faith and trust in Christ, if you have made him Lord of your life, that's essentially the tagline here. Then, if you've done this, then, what is the aspect? We are heirs, heirs to what? Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Definitive, holistic, and complete. We're not partial heirs. We're not half heirs, step heirs. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Being heirs to what? The kingdom of God. And the manner how that's demonstrated, the manner how that is lived out, is if we share in his sufferings. Sometimes you might be suffering and you might be wondering, where is God? Friends, lovingly, I'm telling you, perhaps you're suffering because you're a son of the living king, an heir to the kingdom, a co-heir with Jesus Christ. And as this word says, if we share in the sufferings, in order that what? Future. We may also share in his glory. We've looked at this, and we've asked and we've seen how does the relationship with our earthly father shape the relationship with your heavenly father? We've discovered that good or bad, we all have a relationship with our father. We also realize that regardless of this relationship, through Christ we are invited to be adopted as God's children. We also know that because of Christ, we can run to our Heavenly Father and say, Dad. We've also seen that because we are children of the Father, we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ to his kingdom. Essentially, what is this driving at? Great Father's Day message for us all. And the take-home truth that I want to leave you with this morning is this, that as an adopted child through Christ, Christ is the one who allows us to be adopted. We have an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father in which we can run to Him and say, Dad, all because of what Jesus has done. With that, I recognize that sometimes we might look at this and wonder, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? I also realize that for several of you, depending upon your view of your earthly father, you might still be struggling. And what I want to do is I want to show you a clip. It's one of my favorite clips from the movie Field of Dreams in which Ray Kinsella meets his father. And I'd like to play that for you. And as I do, I want you to take a moment and I want you to think about if you would be willing to have a catch with dad. Not necessarily your earthly father, but your heavenly one. Let's watch.
Friends, we have the best in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we can run to our Father and say, Dad. My encouragement to you this week, particularly it being Father's Day, is that as you approach our Heavenly Father, that you would go to Him and you would say, Hey, Dad. Want to have a catch? And that's who we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's how we can approach Him in those moments of hurt and pain and struggle success, failure, joy, whatever it might be. Hey, Dad, you want to have a catch? Let's pray. Father, we come before you. Thank you so much for you. Thank you for the blessing that you are to us. Thank you that you are merciful and compassionate, yet being Lord of Lord, maker of heaven and earth, the sustainer and creator of all things. You concern yourself with us. But Father, you concern yourself with us not in a way that's distant or far off, not in a manner that is slave-like or disregarding, but rather you come and you have displayed your majesty in being our heavenly Father. Father, you love us so much that you've given us our Savior Jesus Christ who is willing to sacrifice himself at the cross so that we might have life. And Father, when we place our faith and trust in you, not only do we have life, we have life eternal. We're given the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to live within us, the third person of the Trinity. And through that Spirit, Father, we move away from a sin-ruled life to one that is desiring of you. And Father, thank you in that. We also know that we are heirs to the promise. We are adopted as sons or daughters into your kingdom. We are heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. There is nothing better that we can receive. And Father, thank you too, as we see in these words that are scripted by Paul as well as stated by Jesus, that we can come to you and we can say, Abba, Dad. What a blessing that is. I pray this week, as we go about our lives, as we go about our living, that no matter what picture we have of our earthly father, we can come to you. And Father, we can come to you simply saying, hey dad, want to have a catch. Some of us might be fearful of how we approach God. Some of us might look at God differently because of the picture that we have of our dad. But in this, Lord, I pray that as we've seen through this clip, that we can turn to you and literally just say, hey dad, want to have a catch. And as we talk to you, it's the same fashion. It's like we're throwing a ball with you. And that you hear it, you speak to us, and you love us. Father, thank you so much for your love, your mercy, and your grace. We pray these things in your name, dear Jesus. We ask it all by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen.